Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Hey, man, just just a, a great morning this morning. I love baptism services. It's so cool to see Jordan and Megan take that step today, and, and uh, that just gets me stoked up. I hope it does the same for you. What's more is we're going to have a light bulb ceremony for them uh, right after this service, so stick around for that just as we light up a light bulb on our 14-6 wall just to demonstrate and, and recognize that they've made a commitment for, to Christ. And, and so that's just, that's just touchdown, FBC Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd, FBC Lloyd. Uh, you, I guess you know where we're at. Um, but it is way to go, team, and just reading their testimonies and the testimonies of everybody that's being baptized this morning, such an encouragement to me. So I hope, I hope that this morning is as significant to you. Um, We've been away the last couple of Sundays. Uh, We were fortunate to get a chance to go on a bit of a vacation. Vacation had two steps. We went on a cruise down to Mexico, and we also spent some time in Vancouver. And the way that this played out was actually we didn't understand we were going to be spending some time in Vancouver, but we had a layover there that was completely unscripted um, for about 12 hours. So all of which to say is what I would recommend is go on a holiday, try not to fly. That is not a good deal. We were delayed there both going down and coming back. And, and uh, so anyways, it was, it was uh, quite the deal. But awesome time away, and, but we're excited to be back here. And, and Bruce started off looking after the weather in, in November. It was a little shaky, I understand, while we were away. But he's kind of pulled it together now, and so it's coming along pretty good. So we're happy to be back just in time for that. We're in a series called Game Changers, and uh, over the last two weeks, Bruce has been moving that along, and he's done a tremendous job. If you haven't been uh, 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 up to speed, if you didn't get a chance to check out the sermon two weeks ago on Elijah, you need to check that out, and then again last week on David. And this whole series is just about looking at biblical characters that have been game changers for God. And as we look at these biblical characters, our intent in this series is that we would then become game changers as well, that we would learn from them, that we would be able to see how they've conducted themselves and how they haven't conducted themselves in some cases, and that that we would learn to be game changers along with them. Because the fact is that God wants us all to be game changers. And what's more, He's going to equip us to be game changers as well, because that's his intent for us. He wants us to make a difference for him in our world. And so as we look at these biblical characters, then we want to be able to grow and glean from them so we can become more like them in those respects and therefore better game changers for God. This morning we're going to be looking at Mary and Martha. And this is a a passage of Scripture that's well known, but sometimes I think maybe just a little bit misunderstood. Um, And so we're going to take a look at that and see what we can pick up from that this morning. Before we do, though, let's pray and ask God to be with us. Father, again this morning we just stop and we say thank you for such a great morning. Thank you for um, uh, Megan and Jordan and for their decision to be baptized. Thank you for the other candidates that are going to follow in the next service as well. Thank you for just uh, the way that we can see you working in lives through that. 
And this morning, we would ask that you would come alongside us too and work in our lives as well. That you would demonstrate yourself to us. That we would know this morning with, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are real, that you are here, that you are active, and that you want us to become a part of your family. And then beyond that, to become game changers for you in our world. That we would be able to point more and more people to you so that they could come to the saving knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so I ask these things now all in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. It's just a few short verses, but it tells us a whole bunch of stuff. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he, ha- what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. More often than not, I think as we come to this passage of Scripture and as we reflect back on it, we do so from the perspective of busyness and rest. That here we're seeing a contrast between Martha who is busy and Mary who is at rest. And we tend to then process it from that perspective. And there's no doubt that there's an element of that that here in in this passage. That's an implication that we find and that we can draw from as we look at this. But what this passage is speaking to even more than busyness and rest is our priorities. And we see that right off the hop. Verse 38 to 40, again, let's just look at that and, and reflect specifically on what we find just so quickly. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations he had, uh, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So right off the hop, we see a distinct difference in Mary's and Martha's actions in their approach to Jesus' arrival. And thus, as we look at those different reactions, their different choices, we see their different priorities. And this morning, we need to always remember that for the most part, as we act just sort of naturally and instinctively, our actions demonstrate our beliefs. So when we look at our lives and when others look at our lives, as you act, so we generally tend to believe. It's a great litmus test. It's an excellent rule of thumb. And it's something that we should be doing regularly for ourselves, is looking at how we act in situations, how we act throughout our day, and what that tells us then about what we believe in our heart of hearts. Mary chose to focus on Jesus. But Martha chose to attend 
to the social aspects or the social conventions of his visit. And so then while Mary, or sorry, Martha was busy working, it wasn't that Mary was just kicking back and relaxing. She wasn't just kind of putting her feet up and watching Martha go. Instead, Luke tells us that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and that she's in listening intently to what he has to say, what he said. And in that, we find the typical position or posture of a student to a rabbi. Someone that is sitting down at the feet of the teacher and then listening to what he has to say. Trying to pick up what he's laying down so that they can understand and learn and grow. Luke seems to be really intentional here in building that picture for us so that we understand what is going on with Mary. He, he demonstrates, he, he articulates where she's sitting. And he then underlines that by saying that she's listening intently to what Jesus has to say. Martha, on the other hand, was distracted, quote-unquote, by all the preparations. And as we go back to the original connotation in, in, in the original language, Martha is interested, then, we can understand, from what, interested in what God is saying, what Jesus is saying, but she's been pulled away from being able to listen to that by what she has understood to be the bigger priority that she's been distracted by all these things that she knows has to happen as Jesus has come to visit. So she's looking after those preparations. So it's not that she doesn't care about what Jesus is saying. It's not that she's uninterested, that she doesn't subscribe to what he has to say. But rather, that in her perspective, these things are just more important and they have to be attended to. And so we see her priority contrasted with Mary's. And as she's busy doing this work, as she's preparing all of the things, the meal and so on and so forth for Jesus, she gets annoyed. And she looks at Mary and says, come on girl, what are you doing? Can't you see? I'm busy over here. But nothing's happening. Mary's not responding. And so she goes to Jesus. Martha goes to Jesus. And she says, hey, Jesus, talk to that sister of mine. Tell her to get busy over here. Things to be done. But Jesus' response is much different than what Martha anticipated. Verses 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I really like how this is actually translated in the NASB uh, rather than the NIV. In the NASB, it reads like this, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. 
Rather than agreeing with Martha, Jesus gently reprimands her, saying, Martha, Mary's chosen the more important thing. And implicit in that response, then, is that Martha has not chosen wisely in this situation. That as she has prioritized the preparations for the meal and the social conventions and mores and so on that were required at the time for a guest and a visitor coming to the house, that she has made an unwise choice. That she's chosen unwisely. And that therefore then, it's she that should be changing her priorities, not Mary. Now, as it says the good part in the NASB, or as it says what is better in the NIV, we're to be understanding that in a spiritual sense. And Jesus is saying, Mary has chosen what is good, which is time and attention on God. She's chosen better by allowing herself to focus on what Jesus is saying and what He's teaching and what she can be learning from Him. So the bottom line this morning is that Jesus is telling us that our first priority has to be always to spend time and attention with Him and on God. And not to allow other things to crowd that out of our lives. Now, this is backed up again by Jesus in other parts of Scripture. It's not just here that He points this out. Matthew 26, verses 10 and 11, we find that as well. And actually, Matthew 26, you'll, you'll remember that's the story of the woman who John says in his Gospel is again Mary, actually, that brings her perfume and anoints Jesus with this perfume, pours it all over his head in the middle of this gathering. And that conjures up a whole reaction from the disciples and some of the others that are saying, well, this is, that's a really poor idea. You're wasting this valuable perfume. It could be used on the poor. But Jesus responds really interesting there as well, and we need to, to follow that. It, it speaks into our topic today. So verse 10 and 11 say this, aware of this, aware of the grumbling of the, of the disciples and the others there, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. And you'll remember that this is actually him also going on then to, to uh, predict his death, his coming crucifixion. Now, as we, as we read these two passages of Scripture, and as we see Jesus kind of rebuke Martha as she's doing something valuable, like she's helping get ready to get the meal prepared, and she's being hospitable. And then as we see Jesus now come along and say to the disciples and stuff, hey, guys, the poor are always going to be among you. It's not that he is being callous at all. It's not that 
Jesus is disrespecting the poor, not that he's undervaluing or dismissing hospitality. Not at all. But what he's saying is that there is something that trumps even those good things. And interestingly enough, if you go back just before Matthew 26, you'll actually then read in Matthew 25 about the fact that that Jesus says that when we look after the poor, when we feed the poor, when we take care of their, their needs and so on and so forth, that you're doing that as if it's to him. So he's not dismissing the poor. He's not saying that we shouldn't look after the poor. He's not saying that we have to be just focused on him to the exclusion of everybody else all the time all around us. And he's not saying to Martha, hey, that hospitality isn't important. People aren't of any consequence. Just, just ignore them and focus on me. That's not the point at all. What he's saying, though, is that it becomes wrong and unwise, therefore, when we allow these other things to push God out of our lives when we allow them to become more important and bigger priority than he is in our lives. Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, argues that good is the enemy of great. And that is nowhere any more true than it is within our faith. That as we look around life and as we see good things all around us, good things that demand our time and that we should be involved in and so on and so forth, as we see those things though, and we allow them to push God out so that at the end of the day I get to my pillow and I arrive there without having spent any time with Him, without having taken time to read my Bible, without any, having taken time to pray, to meditate on Him, to become a little bit more like Him and focus on that as a priority in my life, well then, that has been a, a wasted day. And the good things have very, very definitely taken me from what, away from what is great. In fact, they've taken me away from what is the greatest. There's no end of good things in our lives today. Good things that we should be involved in. Good things that are beneficial for us to involve ourselves in. Hospitality is great. Caring for the poor is something that we should be doing. Caring for those who are sick is a priority. Looking after our families. Getting them to hockey games or to dance lessons or music lessons. Good things. Work is a good thing. Being able to provide for our families, is, that's a great thing. Something we're called to do in Scripture. But as we allow these things to crowd God out, they rob us of something that is even greater, which is God Himself. And His ability to speak into your life and my life today. And to make us better. And why is it that time with God is greater than the rest of these things? Begs that question this morning, doesn't it? Why is it that 
Time with God is greater than looking after the poor, than looking after those that are sick, than looking after our families and so on and so forth. And there are a few reasons why that's the case. Not the least of which is that he just plain straight up deserves our time and attention by virtue of who he is. But for our point, to our point this morning, we need to understand that when we reserve time for God, that can never do anything less than enhance us and make us better. Never ever, never ever are we worse for having encountered God and leaned into Him. Not personally, in our own right, within our own respects, who we are as people, and not corporately, interpersonally, as we work together and as we interact with the world around us. In neither of those respects do we ever suffer from, ha from having spent time with God. We can only be enhanced in all of those things. Which is to say then, that we will only be better at caring for the poor as we bring ourselves in line with God and as we understand what he's asking us to do in that because he does ask us to be involved there. We'll be better as we care for the sick. We'll be better as we care for our families. We'll be better as we start to navigate work and know where to draw the line between our personal time and our work time and, and maintain a healthy balance there. But we doubt it, don't we? We doubt it. And this morning, I'm not so naive as to think that you're sitting here going, yep, perfect, got it. Just didn't understand it. Because we all sit here and we agree, right? Yeah, absolutely, we've got to know God better. That's a priority. That's my number one priority. But at the end of the day, are we doing it? which then speaks to what I really believe. Which then I think means, as I look at my life at least, that there are things there that I doubt about that. I doubt somehow that it is better to spend time with God than it is on these other areas that I prioritize, which I think are going to return more to me. We're convinced that as we prioritize God, that we're going to lose out. And I think sometimes, when we get right down to it, that's really what we believe. Let me remind you, just really quickly, of some of the things that we can realize, some of the benefits that we do realize as we lean into God. And this is, this is going to be such a fast survey. I'm going to do this in three verses. We can build a far bigger case for this if we had time. But really quickly, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Again, verses we know. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, which, was, which is to say get to know him and lean into how he asks us to live. Acknowledge him. 
and he will make your paths straight. In the middle of life, as we go through life right now, we're looking around, and so oftentimes, if I, like I mean, I hear it day in and a day out. I recognize it in my life. I look out there, and I try and understand, how do I do this? How do I manage all of this? How do I get my, my retirement in line? How do I navigate my kids? What do I do with my wife? How am I going to handle work? What do, where do I draw that line for some balance? What do I do with what's going on in the Ukraine? How on earth? earth how on earth can i navigate all of these crazy new things that are happening in our world right now where they're questioning the things that i grew up on and that i stood on that i understood to be absolutely true and now they're questioning it at all like as to whether or not there's more than just boys and girls how do i handle all these things well as i acknowledge god and as i lean into him he will make my path straight he says he will come along and he will help us to navigate life, which is really one of my desires. Matthew 6, verses 28 to 33, says this, And why do you worry about clothes? This is God speaking to us about anxiety and distress and stress and so on. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields which is here today and, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, oh Doug, you of little faith. So do not, do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. As I navigate through life and as I'm worried about how I'm going to make ends meet and how I can actually get a little bit more to get ahead because I think that that's going to actually be the thing that delivers satisfaction and fulfillment and so on and so forth for me and for my family and so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. And as I go round and round and as I stress out about that in my life, God comes along and says, no, don't, don't do it, Doug. Don't worry. Don't let that completely inundate your world. Don't lose sleep. Seek me first. And I got you. I got your back, buddy. Everything that you need, I will, I will provide for you. Everything that you need. But are you like me? Are you like me? Then I look at that and I go, ah, oh, there's the catchphrase. There's the catchphrase. It's everything that I need. And I don't want just that much. I want more. I want more than that. So I doubt God again and I walk away. I don't trust him. I don't seek him. I don't put him first in my life. Because I want more than just what I need. Because I know that that's going to be the bare bones. I know that that's going to be just the bare minimum. I know that that's going to be just enough to kind of sort of squeak by as I watch the rest of the world move further and farther forward. So I was, you know, listen, I, I'm off my notes now, but anyways, I was talking with a guy on Friday night. He's a very interesting dude. He, he works with extremely wealthy people. Like, and I'm talking not just your average wealthy people. I'm talking about extremely wealthy people. And what he was telling me, some of the, well, we talked about a bunch of different things, but one of the things that he said was that He thinks that a reason why a lot of them don't want funerals 
It's because they're afraid that nobody's going to come. That nobody's going to come to their, their, their funeral. Which is to say that they've made it, they've been extremely successful in life, they've got it all going on monetarily, and they're, they're, they're worried. They're concerned. They're unhappy. They're not satisfied because they're afraid that people have walked away from them, that they're not, they don't have friends, they don't have family that are still engaged. And here I am, seeking after exactly what these guys have got already, and where it's amounted to something of absolutely no worth to them. It's taken them away from all the things that they really hold dear. I can't begin to tell you the amount of times in my life now that I look back and I think how different my life would have been for the worse if God had given me what I really wanted. I was going to be retired by the time I was 28. That was my goal. Forget 55. And I look back at that now and as I look at myself and I, I just look at that and I go, I would not be close to God if I had that going on in my life. I would probably be a mess because that stresses me out, just worrying about all that stuff and making sure that it's all in line and stuff like that. Jesus says to me, Doug, dude, don't sweat it, buddy. I got you covered. And the things that you really want, the things that are going to be of real benefit to you, I'm going to deliver those for you. But just look, look to me. Keep focused on me so that you don't get distracted by all this other stuff and miss out and lose out. That you settle for good rather than great or the greatest. And he backs that up again in John 10.10 where he just says this straight up. The thief comes to only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We doubt it. But Jesus is here telling us straight up this morning that he is come for our best benefit. That he wants us to have life to the full and he's the one that can deliver it. And I have to be the one that learns to put him first. That's our job. So what is our takeaway this morning as we come into this whole thing and as we look at Mary and Martha and, and others and so on and so forth? It's this. Game changers don't allow God to be squeezed out of their priorities. Game changers don't allow God to be squeezed out. They keep Him as their primary focus. They ensure that in our day somewhere, God has our, our time and our attention. That I'm sitting at His feet and I'm listening and I'm learning from Him. For us to be game changers then, this morning, now we're called to take stock. You and I have to go back and consider our lives. What do my actions tell us? What do my actions tell me? Is God being pushed out? And this isn't fun. It's not easy. It's not going to be a simple thing. 
It's going to take discipline and effort. Maybe you already know, right all, already right off the hop. Well, you had me until you said it's not going to be fun, simple, or easy. And that's maybe where we need to start this morning, where we go to God and we just say, oh, Lord, listen, you know my heart. You know where I'm at in my head. And if I'm actually going to be able to give this a rip, then you're going to have to work in me to help me to see this as a priority. You're going to have to motivate me. By your spirit, you're going to have to come alongside of me and revolutionize the way that I see some things. Maybe that's where we need to start this morning is praying for that. For some of us, maybe we have to intentionally sit down and actually look at our schedule. Not just try and float through it right now for a couple minutes, but actually sit down and get a pen and piece of paper and start to sketch it out. Where do I spend my day? What are my priorities? What's going on in my life that's keeping me so busy that I can't factor God into the equation in any real or meaningful sense? How do I find time in my schedule? What's going to flex? What's going to give so that I can read my Bible? So that I can actually sit down and pray and not just before dinner. So that I can learn and start to come up with even a bit of a plan as to how I'm going to put some of his priorities, his teaching into practice in my life. And then if, if we're so bold as to do that, well then the next step is we got to do something about it. Because I can come up with a plan, but if I don't put the plan in action, begs the question then, what do I really believe? And here we come to the third point. Maybe this morning we have to go even deeper and start asking ourselves, where is it that I don't trust God what is it about him? What is it about what I'm hearing from Bainton that I'm just not buying? What is it in my heart of hearts that is keeping me from putting God as my priority, making him my priority? You're going to be talking about this in your small groups this week unpacking this a little bit. I think it's going to be uncomfortable. But I'm hoping and I'm praying that as a church, just by, just by show of hands this morning, and I know this is really uncomfortable now. Well, Bainton's starting to ask me to do things on, in the middle of people. By, by show of hands this morning, how many want to really be a game changer for God? And I, like sincerely, want to be a game changer for God. Are, are we ready to do something about it then? I think, I think as God's people, we've been comfortable for a long time. And, I, and I, man, and I gotta, we're sitting here post-COVID with two-thirds of who we used to have sitting in church. And man, that's caused me to do some soul-searching. 
But what I'm doing or what we're doing as a church, the way that we're going about things, would somehow that that could happen. That COVID could come along and all of a sudden a third of people could kind of walk away and not be here, not be involved. So that's changing the way that I understand what my role is as pastor. That's changing the way that I understand what I'm supposed to be doing as a follower of God, which is to say that I got I to I got to even more than ever before get away from playing games with him and try and get down to the brass tacks to find out where I don't believe him. Like the father of the demonically possessed son that said, oh Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm praying that. God, help my unbelief. Help me move from being just another guy that talks into being somebody that actually makes a difference that you use to change the game. And it's not good enough if I do it. It's not good enough if we, if we as a staff do it. That's what I think we're learning right now in churches across North America right now. We can't build a better church or a big, good enough program or whatever it is. What it comes down to is if we can help you make that decision as well. If that somehow God can speak through us or whatever or involve us somehow in his plan whereby all of a sudden you become committed to becoming game changers too because it's going to take all of us. The only, thing, the only way that this works, the only way that we move forward successfully in helping our world come to know God is when we get serious about becoming game changers as well. And we allow God to work in us. We can't change anyone else other than ourselves. But I'm absolutely convinced that as we allow God to do that in us, then he will make us game changers and that will impact the world around us. Let's pray. Father, this morning, forgive us, God, for our unbelief. Forgive me for my unbelief. Where I doubt you, where I question that you actually have my best interests at heart and that what you can deliver is really what I want in my heart of hearts, what I'm looking for. Help my unbelief. Help our unbelief. And Father, I pray this morning that you would motivate us now to, to take a, a step in our seriousness towards you. That if we lack motivation, that you would give us motivation. That if we need to do some serious assessing, that you would help us to do that. That then you would give us the gumption then to act on it. And mostly, Lord, that you would change what we believe in our hearts. That we would believe you more and more by day by day and that that would motivate us to do what's even uncomfortable. So this morning, Lord, 
for Christ's sake and his alone I pray that you would bless us in these respects for I ask this in his name amen such a good morning until Baton got up to speak have a really good day have a really good week let's go out and get, change the game out there and let that start with just hanging out with us as we light up those light bulbs for Megan and Jordan celebrate that together and let's try and go out and change some folks worlds so that we can light up some more of those light bulbs we'll see you next Sunday <laughs>